Hey everybody and welcome back to the Off The Key Podcast. I'm your host Mac and today I'm joined by my oh-so-regular two co-hosts, Garrett. Alright. And James. Hello, hello. And to start off our 2023 batch of episodes, Off The Key Season 2, we're going to keep it kind of easy and simple for you guys, at least on the review side. January has been kind of a slow month, I'm not going to lie to you guys. Uh, there hasn't been too much exciting, like, new releases in terms of, you know, big artists. We had that Young Boy NBA album, and that was okay. He, like, just left his label. I think he's independent right now. I can't remember who he signed with. Yay. Don't forget about Miley Cyrus. I, we're not. <laughs> but, yeah, we've had some small releases. Um, nothing too crazy. But, yeah, during my regular scouring of the internet, I discovered this band that we're talking about today, Swiss Army Wife, and their debut album, Medium Gnarly. So Swiss Army Wife is a four-piece Portland, Oregon-based Midwest emo slash pop punk band. So the album, I've seen a couple of critics pick it up and review it. Spectrum Pulse did a review. The genre tags kind of tickled my fancy. So let's get into the album. It was released on January 6, 2023 through Really Rad Records, and Medium Gnarly serves as a follow-up to their 2021 EP, Break House. So I found them to be interesting for a couple of reasons. For starters, they strike a great balance between the twinkly guitar sound and strained emotional vocals of like Midwest emo and the upbeat accessibility of pop punk with a dash of math rock sprinkled on top. That is pretty much exactly what I got from me listening to it. The math rock element for me was the dissonant chords. The dissonant chords, they were using some really like odd riffs and licks. Yeah, Halloween but, had that time signature change, I think. It wasn't anything too extreme. You know, I think it was just right. I don't think they went too far into math rock, which, no, I don't have a problem with. I was worried if they went too far, they would just sound like American football. <laughs> or if they went too math rock, they'd just be a, a follow Troy clone. They strike a great balance, and, you know, they don't break new ground in the emo genre or anything like that, but... I think this is a solid record. If you're an emo fan, if you like Midwest emo, if you like pop punk, even a little bit of, you know, twinkly math rock guitar sound, you'll be right at home on this album. Honestly, I think that's what gives it its appeal for me. Like, I think the drummer was really solid. I really enjoyed the little accoutrements that he would put on. He seemed to kind of diversify himself from other emo drummers because i'm not really impressed by a lot of emo drummers i feel like they really just kind of stay in the pocket they are very basic they don't really do anything yeah i feel like a lot of emo music it's more about like the guitars the vocals yeah not so much as on the rhythm section it's largely what the genre calls for the rhythm section is just there just to be the bare bones basic function of a rhythm section just lay the foundation that lets the vocals and guitars do what they need to do to make the genre give it its sound it kind of has like a little bit of a back to basics approach as far as Midwest emo pop punk style goes, but it's refreshing in that because I feel like a lot of emo bands right now, like a lot of the emo revival bands are like trying to really break new ground and push the genre forward. And these guys are like, yeah, you know, we're just some tall, self-proclaimed, cute Portland, Oregon guys trying to make some Midwest emo slash pop punk. Also, another thing that really helps Swiss Army Wife is the fact that all their songs are very short to the point. So even if a song doesn't really grab you a certain way, it's over pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it never it, wears out as well. This album is just under 20 minutes. Like, it, like, it's an easy listen, and it's a pretty quick experience. And see, that's the other side of the argument, really, when you're talking about experimentation versus just keeping things basic. Sometimes it's a good thing to just 
go back to basics, go back to the roots, and just play what you love. That's why I think these guys are successful. They really wear their influences on their sleeve. I was reading this interview with Bad Dad of That's Good Enough For Me dot com, and the band mentioned some of their influences, and I was like, yeah, that checks out. Joyce Manor and Captain Jazz, Blood Brothers, all these classic, classic emo bands. And, you know, we haven't really gotten into the content of the album yet too much, but I think the instrumentals are fine. I think they actually have a lot of flair, a lot of character. Lyrically, this whole album has this sheen of half-hearted sarcasm. The final track of the album, I, I'm a head out. Some of the lyrics made me laugh in like a haha, that's kind of pathetic kind of way. <laughs> But there's like a certain charm to that. Like I'll, I'll read a couple of verses from I Am a Head Out. Uh, the first verse, you know, stand back and watch me self-sabotage politely. Forgive the pale skinny white kid airing his feelings again, doing this for myself and my mental health. <laughs> it's so um, self-aware, but still really insecure mm. at the same time. Yeah. It kind of made me laugh, but in like an aw kind of way. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Like shots fired. <laughs> But no, like, I appreciate that they have a certain level of self-awareness, and that, that is also very refreshing. They kind of veil the vulnerability that they're expressing on this album with a ton of sarcasm and irony. Self-deprecation. Yeah, self-deprecation. That is something that the emo genre and the pop-punk genre severely lacks, is self-awareness. In some cases, but I find it very refreshing that these guys are kind of poking fun at themselves while still sharing that vulnerability. Speaking of I, I'm a head out. That riff is the perfect example of a song I would point to when, if someone asked me, what do I like about, you know, math rock? What do I like about Midwest emo? What do I like about J rock? And the point where all those genres start to blend together and influence each other and whatnot is that, that riff, that kind of little bit of arpeggiation with a little bit of, they'll sometimes mix like, horns and then they'll like throw a little like arpeggio lick and then they'll like go back they'll go like all over the fretboard and then it'll be sometimes it'll be you know real dissonant sometimes it'll be real twinkling and it doesn't feel formulaic i actually think you bring up a great point with the guitar playing on the album there's a good mix of catchy bouncy riffs but also the dissonance that you would get from something like math rock i love that they also kind of embrace a lot of the tropes of emo on this album like the opening track, this number is no longer in service. Or um, I can't remember which song it was, but I think it was I think it was New Best Friend or No More Drugs, one of those two where uh, that phone conversation, I'm like, bro, these are such emo tropes. <laughs> it doesn't, like, try to take itself too seriously. Yeah, definitely not. It's basically a love letter to the genre. There's something to be said about accessibility when you write songs like that, when you don't take yourself too seriously, because as a... Not a huge fan of the genre. I like a lot of Midwest emo, but I don't really like a lot of like the more pop punk, the more I guess you like more, emo the pop. more pop yeah, the more pop side of it. I just don't care for that hardly at all. It's nice when a band steps back and I feel like it makes it more accessible. Agreed. A whole ton. Yeah, and it's not to say that the subject that they are talking about on this album aren't serious. You know, there's mentions of stuff that happened during the pandemic, government insurrection, lost love. There's some pretty heavy topics in here, but it's still charming and it's still inviting in a way because of that. Now, as far as like the vocal performance goes, I know you guys had some problems with it and I, I kind of understand where you're coming from. I don't think their vocalist is the best, but I think he fits the genre perfectly. Yeah, he's definitely a perfect 
vocalist for pop punk. For for emo. For emo pop punk. It, yeah. It, to me, it sounds like Tom DeLonge and early Ben Brendan I, I would, and I don't know. Tom DeLonge is a dog ass singer. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, it still has the inflection. I should yeah, say. Yeah. Yeah. That that would be a better way to put <laughs> yeah. it. Like that delivery style. Didn't, yeah. Didn't we say something off the air one time that emo pop punks pop punk singers have a voice that's like the it's like the Valley Girl accent. Yes. Of yeah. music. No, no, you said that on uh, one of the year-end episodes. Yeah, it's like they all have that same like voice, even if they're like from completely different parts of the country. They all have the same singing voice. And it's yeah. funny I how mean, it's, it ended up like that, but it's th- just part of the style. What I can say, I guess, that framing the vocal criticism and framing this whole discussion about these tracks on this album is that there is not a bad track on this album. They're all good. The The problem is, is that there are not so great parts, and a lot of that has to come with either some parts are a little forgettable or the singer just kind of sounds like dog water. I mean, it is kind of few and far between because he, singing in his regular tone, what he, what he does for most of the album, he sounds fine. And even when he's, like, screaming, like, really yelling, that sounds mostly fine, you know, depending on whether or not you like that. Some people like it, some people won't. That just comes with the territory. But when he does that aggressive yelling that's not really like screaming, but it's not really, it's kind of in the middle, that's where he sounds like absolute dog water. It's almost like his voice is kind of <laughs> cracking at times. I kind of see what you're saying, but also I, I will bring back to that point of, you know, it, it is kind of part of the genre. Like a lot of emo singers aren't great singers. That just kind of comes with the territory, but I definitely could understand somebody being turned off by that. Yeah, but if he wouldn't do that, if he would just do regular and scream, and that's it. If he wouldn't try to do that like weird in between like fugue area, it'll be fun. Another thing I want to bring up about this is the biggest thing I appreciate about this album is that it doesn't try to be perfect, like a lot of modern music does. There's not much evidence of like digitization. That's kind of the blanket term I have for it. You don't really hear like the typical quantized drums and stuff. There's some feeling to it, and that's that's one of the things I enjoy about it. And the way it's recorded, it sounds a lot more raw than a lot of modern music does, and that's something I appreciate. Like especially, for example, at the end of the last track, I'd I'm a head out. They go into this distant chorus at the end, yeah, and you can hear the mics feedbacking and the drums sound real echoey. Besides the snare. I will say the snare the snare sounds very compressed. I don't know why. But anyway, it's a nice touch that I enjoyed very much. You know, I'm glad you said that because I was thinking, there's something a little strange about that snare. It just kind of in the back of my mind. And I'm like, you know, I, mean, I like never can point out when drums sound any different or if there's something wrong. There are times where sometimes a snare is like completely digitized and I would just have no idea. But... I actually caught it that time. I'll give us a full pat on the back. Yeah. I'm job. learning. I'm growing. A snare is supposed to be one of the loudest drums, and that's why it's often compressed in a lot of music. If they're going to use acoustic drums, an acoustic snare, they're going to compress the shit out of it because that thing is loud. Because that's usually, that's the drum you're hitting the hardest because that's the backbeat. You know, that's the integral part of the backbeat, the bass drum and the snare drum. Now... I For want... the super, super layman, what is compression in music? Compression is basically where you take all the dynamics out of the music. All the little things and all the 
all the highs and lows, you bring it all down into this basically the same level. Yeah, you basically equalize it. You you put it down like if you were to look at the wave file, it would all look relatively the same. Yeah, like a fucking wall. And that is honestly that alone is the biggest problem I have with almost all of modern music. Because so much of it is compressed. That's why a lot of people complain about modern music in general. When people say it all sounds the same, that's kind of what they're talking about, but they don't really yeah, know they, it. But they don't understand like how to explain that. Yeah. There's no dynamicism in a lot of modern music because of that. Whenever I hear a modern song come out and it's not compressed like that, you can hear all the little quirks, all the imperfections, and you can hear kind of a dynamic range. Even if it's just one instru- one or two instruments, I'll always appreciate it. And I won't say that all modern music is like that. We're, yeah, that's no. not what we're saying at all. No, it's just no, no. A lot of popular music suffers mm. from that. Yes. And I definitely agree. Like That was actually one of my biggest complaints about Dawn FM last year is mm. how compressed the weekend's vocals were when they didn't need to be. But anyway. This album is not like that. There's a lot of character. There's a lot of presence. And there's a lot of feel and vulnerability to it. And I, I like that. A lot of the tracks here, I've, you know, I've kind of had this album on repeat all week because it's such an easy listen, even with the intense, harsh, emotional vocals. Quick, less than 20 minutes. It's a good album to put on. Some of my favorite tracks, especially towards the later half is where the album really starts to pick up for me. It was, you know, like No More Drugs, especially CBS at 7. That was probably my favorite track here. Great hook. And uh, it's because of the hook. I actually really like their approach to melody on this album. They've created a lot of really beautiful and I keep saying this, but like twinkly, kind of elongated melodies that sound really good. I love the guitar sound of this album. Mm-hmm. His vocals are especially strong on CBS at 7. I feel like I could hand that song to a pop puck fan and they'd probably really enjoy it. Oh, yeah. Also, to expand on my point from earlier, it's kind of weird if you use autotune and emo or pop punk or something like that. Because the point of those vocals is to be imperfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, don't, I just don't understand why you would do that. MGK, we're looking at you. Yes. Another thing that I do appreciate is the backup vocals, especially on the heavy parts, mm-hmm. like where they start screaming. I actually really like the harmonization going on there. It adds a good amount of layers to the music, too. These guys are very solid, and I'm actually very, very excited for what they do next, and I hope they continue to flourish. If they ever tour, I'll probably be at that show if they come to our area. There's not really a whole lot of tracks that I thought were... Eh. If you had to designate the least favorite track, it'd probably be like... Mine was FLCO. I didn't really care for that track. I thought the vocal melodies was kind of... I don't know. I, I didn't really care for the, the sound of that track. I mean, it's pretty short, so I can give it a pass. Yeah. But if I had to pick a least favorite, it'd probably be FLCO. And it's for that reason. Yeah, I think Best Friends probably be mine. Definitely great openers and closers on this album, though. I was surprised at how almost like comfy the album is in a way. It is very intense, but you know, I kind of felt right at home. I got a little bit of nostalgia from this album. It reminded me a lot of the older stuff from the nineties and the two thousands that I enjoyed growing up. Yeah, weirdly I kinda got that feeling too, but I didn't really like grow up with any of that. That's all a very new thing to me. Sometimes it really you can get that nostalgic feeling. I mean there are other bands that I got that with, like when I listened to uh, Inner Speaker by Tame Impala for the first time. I, mean, I didn't really listen to like 
dreamy psychedelic music before and I was just like wow this really all seems so familiar even though I have not really delved into this before I don't have earlier memories of this so why am I feeling this way I yeah. got that with this album and I'm just like hmm that's just the power of music man the song remains the same right I've always thought of music as being kind of a snapshot in time it's hard to describe but music in a way really captures the feeling of an era that's why it gives you that feeling whenever you listen to it. Even if you didn't grow up on that particular music, you still get the feeling of the time that it came out in. But yeah, I think they capture that while still remaining fresh. Because when I say, you know, oh, they're going back to basics. Oh, they, they sound like classic emo. Like, that's not a detractor. That's not saying like, oh, they're just trying to relive the glory days of, of Midwest emo in the 1990s. It's a good nostalgia. If that makes sense. The only time this is bad is when someone tries to do like, no matter what you think about them, Greta Van Fleet is probably the biggest problem with that. Someone that's trying to do like a one, one, one for, for one, one, like, like bringing it back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With no, very little nuance. I mean, that's how they start out at least. I haven't listened to anything yeah, I mean, they've, recently. They've, kind, they've kind of stepped away from that, but it's still there pretty strongly. Most of the time when we talk about bringing it back, showing some influences and stuff like that. We, it's viewed in a generally positive light. As long as you have authenticity. Or something, yes. something to say within that lane, and I feel like these guys have that. You know, yeah. I will say, you know, songwriting, like, theme-wise, this album's a little all over the place, but in that same interview that I keep referencing, they did talk about how this album is a best of everything they've done so far, from the multiple lineup changes and iterations of the band, Medium Gnarly is pretty much a compilation in that sense. But I'm surprised how it still sounds like sonically very, very tight, like very consistent. Even if it is a little all over the place, like it all, it all kind of has that overlying connection that we were talking about earlier. You know, the vulnerability, the stuff that's been happening over the past few years, all the terrible, terrible tragedies that occurred during that time while still having kind of an emo content theme as well i almost wish it was longer yeah i, I wouldn't have minded it being a little longer i'm satisfied with what we got but you know maybe an extra track or two i'd say an extra at least two maybe three tracks depending on their length if it had been a 30 minute album i think it. yeah like you, you could almost call this an ep but a lot of lps nowadays are barely hitting the 20 25 minute mark so yeah i have come away from this album very positive. I was very satisfied with it, but I think it's time we go ahead and get into our final thoughts. So do you guys have anything to say before we go to our scores? Nope. Okay. Medium Gnarly was a pleasant surprise. It tickles some of my favorite genre fancies, Midwest emo, math rock, a little bit of pop punk here and there. And I think you will feel right at home with this album if you're a fan of those genres. It doesn't innovate intensely or anything like that. It's not a groundbreaking emo revival record, but it's very solid, and this band has a promising future, in my opinion. There are some great tracks here. There's a lot of really enjoyable stuff, and I appreciate the sarcasm and the level of self-awareness that this group has. It's incredibly refreshing and honestly makes it a little more charming. So... With that being said, I do think this album's a little too short. I wish we got a little more material from it. And, you know, stylistically, it sounds great. Like James was saying, there's 
a lot of character because of the way they recorded it. You know, you hear some of the mistakes, you hear some of the feedback, you know, the background, and that gives it a lot of the same like vulnerable character that you get from emo, the imperfection. And that's the appeal. And I think they clearly understand their influences and the sound they want to make. And I can't wait for more. So I'm going to go ahead and give this a solid eight out of 10. Well said, man. This is an authentic record. Basic, but not in a bad way. It's a solid presentation of the things that they love and the music that they want to create. They did a great job. From their production techniques to their choice of instrumentation and playing, I'd give it also a 8 out of 10. This record may hold a little bit more weight to me because of its turning point. It's an album that could make a believer out of a person that is really lukewarm on some of what the genre entails. And whereas I'm like a Midwest emo fan, I'm not, you know, all the other emo genres I just don't care for mostly. But this is very accessible to me. And I really enjoyed it out of some of the other artists we looked at. The vocals really stood out to me as a sore spot on the first listen. And then I really did not seem to mind them near as much on the second listen. And I really surprised myself at how much of a groove it had, you know, once I looked past those little problems at how, yes, it was a little bit scatterbrained and it was maybe not quite as cohesive as we would have liked, but it also has a lot of character. It has a lot of serious material, yet almost like a satirization and like self-awareness. Um, I thought it was really charming. It's funny how language can sometimes have multiple meanings because we're using words like basic and back to the roots. We're using a lot of words and terminology that out of context, it might seem dismissive of this album and whatnot, but you have to realize that is definitely not a bad thing. There's in this case, music, music is very nuanced. Yeah, they, they differentiate themselves enough. I yes. Think. This nuance is brought about beautifully in this album. I, it gets better with every listen and I was hovering about the eight and a, eight and a half range. I do think it needs to be a little longer. I would agree with the rest of you. So I'll think I'll give it a little more refined. Yeah, if it feels a little bit more refined. It had an extra track or two, and that track was pretty similar to what we got on the rest of the album. It would definitely be like eight and a half territory. But I think I'll leave it at eight. No, great record. If you're a fan of emo, pop punk, math rock, check this thing out. It's great. A lot of good melodies, a lot of good guitar parts. And, uh, you know, support the smaller bands. Yes, please. Yes. It's a solid record, and you don't always have to break new ground to be good. Exactly. Also, Swiss Army Wife, if you ever listen to this, please consider doing some vinyl pressings. I will buy them. Yes. You have one customer guaranteed right now. That's all you need. Uh, We'll actually link their band camp on the episode itself, on the description. And uh, go support them. Go check them out. Listen to their music. You know, buy the MB3. I did. You know, you can pay what you want for it. I paid a reasonable amount. I won't say what, but check them out. Buy some merch. Support a small band. And with that being said, any final thoughts, guys? All good. All right. Well, this is Off The Key Podcast, and we're out of here. Thanks, guys.
Hey everybody, Mac here, and I just wanted to give a shout out to LaCrembo for the intro and outro music. Also, check out our link tree for where to follow us. We are on Instagram and Facebook and a variety of streaming platforms. And if you could give us a sub or a listen or even a follow, it'd be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. See you later.